This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hey there, hey there, hey there, hey there. Happy Friday, everybody. Second day of February 2024. I guess Groundhog Day, right? Hope everybody had themselves a good one. I don't know. They're like Groundhog Day get-togethers at any place. I don't know. Never really partook in one myself. But it is indeed the Dan Grasso Show right here on 98.7 ESPN. A full, uninterrupted vehicle. We're taking a run up until 9 o'clock. And then we hand things over to Anita. She's got the weekend wager. And you know how to reach us, right? 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Julian and Chantel are here. They're producing the program tonight. So we're keeping a company here for the next little while on this Friday. And you know what? We're going to go ahead. And I said this, I think, last night. We're going to go ahead and still refer to this as a football Friday. Even though we technically don't have any NFL this week, and I'm not counting the Pro Bowl, sorry, but we've got the Senior Bowl coming up tomorrow afternoon down in Mobile, Alabama, who are going to be the future stars of the NFL. And you know what? We're going to talk a little Senior Bowl and some of these prospects coming up a little bit later on in the show with our pal Matt Miller, NFL draft expert for ESPN. So look forward to catching up with Matt as to what have been the goings-on down in Mobile. I've been watching a lot of it myself because the NFL Network and ESPN, they've done a great job of televising the practices and all these things. So I've been checking it out. I love draft time, and this is the beginning of it. So we'll have some fun with Matt coming up a little bit later on in the show. Full show means grasa us. We're doing that at 8 o'clock. So if you haven't heard that yet, hey, consider yourselves lucky on this Friday evening. But I tweeted out a little earlier today that this is one of those shows that you just couldn't wait to start. You couldn't wait to turn the mic on and to get this thing going. And I felt like that really since last night. As I was watching the finale of that Knicks-Pacers game at Madison Square Garden in that fourth quarter, and the Knicks making this comeback and seizing control of a basketball game that, let's face it, they probably had no business winning. When you think about who wasn't in uniform last night and who wasn't available and who wasn't playing – and they fell behind by double digits early. They had no business even being in that game. If there was ever a night where a team just rolled over and played dead and you would at least be able to say, well, you know what, that's all right. They're due one. Eight-game winning streak, missing all these key players. You're going up against a dangerous team in the Indiana Pacers, which is as good as any offensively in the entire NBA. You can understand when these type of things happen. But not last night. Not this team. And specifically, not with that guy in charge of the offense. And I'm talking about number 11. Because that's really where I think our focus should be today. Not so much the team, even though, you know, we preach team first and all these things. And we'll talk about what it means for this club and where they're headed in the Eastern Conference and potentially what they could do. I said it last night, remember, the goalposts keep moving for this team. It seems like with each passing win and each passing achievement, the goals start to get a little bit higher. And you allow your mind to go in places that maybe you never thought in your wildest dreams they would ever go in regards to this basketball team. But that's what's happening right now. That's the reality. And look, I never saw Clyde Frazier play. All right? I'm not that old. Never saw Clyde. He's a legend. He's an icon. He's a Hall of Famer. All right? So I'm just basing it on what I have seen with my own two eyes watching the Knicks in all these years. Apologies to Mark Jackson, Rod Strickland, Stefan Marbury, Derek Harper, Jeremy Lin, hell, Emmanuel Moutier, whoever you want to throw into the conversation. 
Jalen Brunson, and I will say this definitively without any apologies, Jalen Brunson is the best player that has called himself the point guard of the New York Knicks that I've ever seen. And I think that a lot of you would probably agree with me because with each passing game, I don't know what more this guy has to do to convince you otherwise. What we're watching right now is special, right? You probably have to go back to the 90s when Pat Riley was roaming the sidelines and you had Patrick Ewing and you had John Starks and you had Charles Oakley and Anthony Mason and all those guys. That is probably the last time you have to go back to when you felt this good about a Knicks team. And when I said about Brunson, I don't even think it's close, to be quite honest with you. Forget about the numbers. Forget about statistics and all these other things because the eyes are telling you all you need to know because he has made the impossible possible. And that's rarefied air with this franchise and this basketball team. It doesn't seem like there's any obstacle that this team can't overcome as long as he's out on the floor. They tried to take away his damn eyes last night in that game, which, by the way, if you're the referees, what the hell are you watching? What are you watching? The guy just gets slapped right across the face. He can't even see. He drops to the ground. No foul. Ah, no foul. (laughs) He can't even see. He still found a way to pull out a victory in that game. Mitchell Robinson, Julius Randle, OG Ananobi, Grimes, it doesn't matter. The guy goes out there and just puts up numbers and produces. He leads this team, and most importantly, he wins on a consistent basis. Look, the Knicks are breaking news, guys. The Knicks are going to lose a game here. They're not going to win out for the rest of the season. But with this guy at the helm, you don't ever think it's going to be anything prolonged, that they got this under control. That, to me... More than anything else, what I just said, the fact that he's winning games in addition to playing at an extremely high level, that is what defines an MVP, okay? That is in the job description of a most valuable player. You know, we always have that, like, differing definition of what a most valuable player is. Is it the best player? Is it the guy who means the most to his team? Well, in the case of Jalen Brunson and the Knicks, it's both. It's both. And look at all these guys that have fallen by the wayside and who've missed time due to injury and are still missing time due to injury, and yet this team has not skipped a beat. Right now, okay, if the season was over today, and apologies to all these other – look, I'm not sitting here trying to tell you he's the MVP of the league. What I am telling you is that you can't sit here and tell me that there are five other guys in the NBA who are more valuable to their teams than Jalen Brunson is to this Knicks team. Okay, I understand that you have Nikola Jokic and Luka Dantich and Giannis and, hell, you can even throw SGA in there at Oklahoma City because he's awesome. Those are probably going to be the guys that are going to be in the running for the real MVP. Jalen Brunson should be in the top five, though. If anybody around the league watches the games and not just clicks on Twitter or clicks on a story on the Internet or checks a box score, bottom line, he is the definition, the epitome of what a most valuable player is. And, you know, it got me thinking last night as I was just watching the latest example of brilliance. It jarred me back to a couple of decades ago. And if you're old enough to remember what we're watching with Jalen Brunson, And this Knicks team, I saw, and I'm sure a lot of you did, two decades ago. Except it was across the river. Because as I watch a point guard just take a franchise basically up from the grave, the effect that he's had on this team playing this position 
it reminds me a hell of a lot to what Jason Kidd did to the New Jersey Nets two decades ago at the Meadowlands, where there was about five people that would go to those games. They were a disaster. They never were going to figure it out. They traded away Stephon Marbury to Phoenix, got Jason Kidd back, this fantastic player who, you know, got into some problems off the court, and that's why Phoenix wanted to move on from him. They wanted to, you know, minimize the PR hit, so they fresh change the scenery and sent him to the Nets. And that transformed that franchise. The Nets were garbage. The Nets were a laughingstock. And I, look, their games are a little bit different because Kidd wasn't the scorer that Jalen Brunson is asked to be for this team. Also, 20 years ago, the game was played differently, too. They actually played defense back in the day, you know, during those years, in the early 2000s. Not like they do now. But Jason Kidd took those two Nets teams to -to back-to-back finals and made them something. And specifically, Jason Kidd's first year, he got robbed of the MVP. He finished runner-up to Tim Duncan. Kidd should have been the MVP that year. But he didn't have all the flashy scoring numbers or whatnot. But again, what you mean to your team, what you mean to the franchise, what life you are injecting into the organization, that's what Jalen Brunson's doing to the Knicks. I texted my buddy Ray Santiago last night, the great Ray Santiago. He, of course, producing the Knicks game for us here on 98.7. He's at the garden. I'm sitting on my couch. And there were a lot of years going back. I mean, you remember the Jeff Hornacek years, the David Fisdale era. You know, we're sitting in Madison Square Garden, he and I, doing these games. And, I mean, it's just like you think about those cast of characters that were in Nick uniforms those nights. And the guys that you were pretending to get excited about, that maybe just maybe they could string together two good games. And they would actually start to resemble a competitive basketball team, maybe for a little bit of a short stretch. And now you fast forward to what you have right now, where you're watching this display of brilliance from one player and this team. Pinch yourself. That's what it's become right now if you're a Knicks fan. Pinch yourself. And it's funny. Him making the all-star team last night, like a lot of people refer to it as some sort of great validation. To me, it's not necessarily a validation. I think Jalen Brunson finally getting that all-star nod last night, it, it, it basically just calls greater attention to just how bad the oversight was last year, right? I mean, you knew that he was going to make the all-star team. But to me, it was just, guys, where were you a year ago? But that's just a ceremonial thing. Because if you're watching night in and night out, you know that All-Star probably doesn't do it justice to how well this guy is playing. All-Star, MVP, and more importantly, almost transformative to what he's done to this basketball team and really to this city. Because you're starting to hear that building and the way that that fans are just literally taking the roof off the place like we haven't heard in ages. And why stop now, right? 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let's have some fun tonight because you know what? If you can't have fun after that game last night and the way this team is playing, I don't know when the time would be to celebrate this basketball team. So we'll do plenty of Knicks. We'll do some Senior Bowl stuff with Matt Miller coming up later on in the program. A full grasa us coming up at 8 o'clock. Plus, we'll do a little Super Bowl look ahead since we're, hey, just a little over a week away from the final game of the year. Full vehicle tonight on this Friday. Dan Gross's show. We get it rolling right after this on 98.7 ESPN. This 
is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Full vehicle tonight. We're going till 9 p.m. Then Anita's stepping in with the weekend wager. And again, you can get me on the X at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. Before we get to the phones, as far as the game itself last night, like I said, what more can you say? Battling back from 15 down, every excuse in the book, but they just found a way. And this was despite the fact they could not make a three-pointer to save their lives. You know, if I would have told you before the game, given that lineup that Tom Thibodeau trotted out there last night, that they would go eight for 38 from three, you'd probably say, well, say goodbye to the winning streak. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. He is, and, and we know that Tibbs doesn't have a long rotation. But last night, essentially, it was seven guys. I know Malachi Flynn was in there for like a cup of coffee, but it was pretty much seven guys who played. Heavy minutes, especially for the starters, and they just battled. They grinded. Think about what they did on the boards last night, how those guys just attacked, whether it was, you know, Hartenstein. Or, and how about Precious Achua, right? We talked him up a couple of days ago. Precious Achua was a guy who, he was like an afterthought in that trade. OG Ananobi was the big big piece. Here's Precious Achua last five, six games. The guy's been outstanding. Guy's almost averaging a double-double during that stretch. And as I said the other day, how about giving Leon Rose some credit, right? It was always, well, what hasn't he done? Or what is he waiting for? Or what is he doing with all these draft choices? And when are they going to go make the big strike? Do you really think they have to go make the big strike right now? You mean to tell me that you want to break this up as a Knicks fan? That you're not enjoying watching this on a game-in, game-out basis? And aren't you at least a little bit curious as to how far they could take this thing and how far they could see it through? I am. I don't think you have to go big game hunting between now and next week. Get some depth pieces, somebody that you can rely on for a little bit of scoring punch off the bench, and then you go from there. 
And speaking of off the bench and scoring, you know what? Let's be fair. Give credit where credit's due. Deuce McBride, right? Guy's playing. He's getting more of a look. He's producing. He's doing what you expect him to do. One of the reasons why, right, if they made that trade, they signed him to a three-year extension. And you're like, okay, well, now we're starting to see why. This is a fun group. And look at it as all these injured players, when they get back into the mix, those could almost be viewed as trade deadline acquisitions. When Julius Randle's finally healthy, OG will be back here soon. You know, the Grimes thing doesn't seem too serious. And then later on down the road, Mitchell Robinson will make his return. I'll go to war with this group in the playoffs. And when you look at the Eastern Conference right now, you're only a half. You are one game behind Milwaukee in the loss column for the two seed. And believe me, I'm not sitting here trying to convince anybody or confuse the fact that they're better than Milwaukee. They're not there yet. They've got to prove that. But it just goes to show you, especially in the regular season, where, as we know, teams in the NBA are prone to just taking nights off. Anything is possible for this group. Anything is possible. And if you really want to look at it glass half full, the guys who are missing time right now, whether it's the Randalls, the Robinsons, they'll be that much fresher come playoff time because they wouldn't have played 82 games or anything close to it. All right, let's see what you guys think. 800-919-3776. Adam in Long Island starting us off here on 98.7 ESPN. Adam, how are you? I am tremendous. Uh, I'm in the car. So this is Adam from Long Island. actually fell in love with the Knicks uh, in the mean streets of Queens from Bayside. So grew up listening to Patrick Ewing and the boys, the defense, the intensity. You said it. We got OG. We got Precious. We got Deuce. We actually have very cool names. But love what's going on. Uh, Have zero interest in seeing LeBron James even come near the garden unless we're beating him. Let's ride with this team. It's a great feeling. Go New York. Go New York. Adam, I don't disagree. Now, look, I never I, – I, I'm not even allowing myself to buy into all that LeBron James talk, and I thank you for the phone call. I mean, LeBron James will be in the building tomorrow. Whether he plays is another story. You'd like to think that he plays because he sat out last night up in Boston, and he's listed as questionable for the game tomorrow night alongside Anthony Davis. But they don't need something like that. They don't need that. And I guess LeBron's guy came out today, Rich Paul, and, you know, put to rest the fact that, you know, he's not going to be traded. Because the Rich Pauls of the world, they're the ones that dictate what happens in the NBA. Not the teams, not the players, not the organization. It's, it's, it's the big movers and shakers. And especially somebody like Rich Paul with his influence in the sport when you rep guys like LeBron and so on and so forth, all the other guys. You know, like I said, they have a major say as to what happens. Anthony's in White Plains. He's up next here on 98.7. What's up, Anthony? Danny, I'm as excited as you are, and I was speaking to the lovely lady that answers the phone. Here's my pause on this, okay? Yeah. In the history of the NBA, Jalen Brunson probably, they've got him listed as 6'2". He's probably like around 6'1 half, give or take. In the history mm-hmm. of the NBA, how many guys that size have ever been the focal point of an offense on a team that's won an NBA championship? Here's a diff- Anthony, I, I hear them. what you're saying real quick, though. Let me just stop you for a second, then you can continue. This is a different NBA. It's not like how it was all those other years, where guys like that would take a pounding. It's a soft NBA now. I can understand that, but I do think that when it comes, when we get into the playoffs, guys are going to put a bigger guy on Jalen Brunson, and that might turn into a problem. I have an idea of a guy maybe the Knicks could get, and I wanted to hear your opinion mm-hmm. on it, that I think 
before the trade deadline. It could be somebody really helpful. The only caution I have with this is I think we'd have to probably give up a lot to get him. But I think the guy that we need is actually in our city now. I think he's playing for the Nets, and he continues that Villanova connection. I think it's Mikel Bridges. Mm. I mean, the kick, the guy could shoot the ball. He could shoot the ball. He's a 3-and-D guy. He has size. And he could kind of open up this offense for us where he doesn't need to be a focal point, but he's somebody that could be a great scoring punch in that small forward spot. But the question is, what would the Nets want for, from us to get him? I don't know. Well, Here's the, here's the difference, and I thank you for the phone call, Anthony. And, look, I, I disagree with you. I do. Because, you know, when you're talking about playoff time, how did that work out last year? Did Jalen Brunson look like he had a problem in the playoffs last season when he averaged almost 30 a game? And in that series against the Miami Heat where, you know, Julius Randle was banged up and essentially couldn't do anything, Jalen Brunson put the team on his back, right? Especially in that deciding game. The, he played basically every last second of that game. Guy was phenomenal. I'm, I'm not worried about Brunson wearing down or maybe not being big enough. It's a different world, this NBA. Unfortunately, I think when a guy like Jalen Brunson came into the league in, you know, how many years ago are we talking? Five years ago, whatever it was. That's probably why he was a second-round pick, that there's still this, like, perception out there among scouts and personnel types in the NBA that, oh, you know, maybe he's not durable enough to last, and that's why his draft stock fell a little bit. Like, Jay Wright was talking about that the other day with somebody. I mean, like, Jay Wright knew him as much as anybody, but that's the NBA. See, the NBA scouts, they look at it differently than, you know, what guys just do in college. It's always how do you project that game to the next level, and they thought he'd wear down. To me, I've seen enough of Jalen Brunson, and I hope the rest of the NBA has seen enough to where I'm not worried about this guy breaking down. Not at all. Ed is calling. He is in Brooklyn. He's up next here on 98.7. Hello, Ed. How are you? How's it going, my friend? Eddie. Aren't you happy? How can you not Aren't, be? You, I, I can tell you this, that the, you said it You said it earlier. They're playing defense. Defense. Oh, the old Knicks are back in a sense that defense wins games. Right? You cannot be you, – you could you can be having a bad day shooting the ball, but your defense can actually, you know, get you to that next step of winning that game. That's what it's – that's what defense does. But the second thing I wanted to just talk about is that we got to get off this Aaron Rodgers, the saving grace type of deal where we're bringing in old guys to save us. We don't need that. We just need the right pieces. That's what Leon Rose has done and continues to do. We just need one more piece. And my question to you, what is that piece? If you were the GM, you were bringing in the guys, what is that piece? What do we need to win right now? And, well, I mean, to win right now, and, and thanks for the phone call. If you haven't noticed, they are winning, right? I mean, if you're talking about what does this team need to win a championship, they, I don't think this is a championship team this year. But if you're telling me what would give this team realistically without breaking up the core their best chance to go deep into the playoffs, and when I say deep, maybe even getting to a conference final this year in the East, just some scoring depth off the bench. That's what they need. A guy who can handle the basketball, a guy who can play – you know, 20 to 25 minutes a night, score you, let's say, you know, anywhere from 12 to 15 points a game. Now, those guys just don't fall off trees, right? You have to give up something for them. You know the usual suspects that have been mentioned now. I mean, I've talked up somebody like Alec Burks, for example. There's, there's no point in the Pistons hanging on to him. But Alec Burks is a guy who 
A, has been here before, so he knows how to play in this city. He knows how to play under Tibbs. His game has not exactly fallen off since he left the Knicks, and he's a selfless player. He's a guy who will do anything that you ask of him. Remember, Alec Burks once upon a time was playing point guard for the Knicks just because they had nobody. But he did it without kicking and screaming. He's somebody that could shoot the three. I think he'd be a perfect fit for this team off the bench. Now the question is, what is Detroit going to want to get him? Somebody like that. You don't have to go big game hunting. And like Ed was talking about, that's why that trade with the Toronto Raptors, you know, when it happened, I think at first there were some fans out there that raised some eyebrows and were like, we're giving up R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly, right? A guy who's a young, close to 20-point-a-game guy entering his prime and our number one scoring punch off the bench for a player who, yeah, he's good defensively, but he's not the scoring threat that those other two guys are, talking about OG. No, but it was a better fit for the roster. That's why you make a move like that. The pieces fit together. And look, I don't know if they'll ever admit to this. If you ask Leon Rose or anybody in that front office, if they actually thought that Precious Achua would be making the contribution so far that he has made to this basketball team, I don't know if they would be honest and say yes to this extent. I don't. But he's been a godsend for this team. So right now, look, Leon Rose is going to be somebody that's going to get serious consideration if this continues for executive of the year votes. I mean, think about what he's done. And you know what? If I'm an opposing team right now at the trade deadline before next Thursday, I'm a little bit leery of doing business with Leon Rose in the Knicks because right now it seems like everything he's touching turns to gold. You don't want to get fleeced. Hey, right now, life is good if you're a Knicks fan. And it hadn't been that way for a very, very long time. And you've put in a lot of lean years and a lot of losing and a lot of jokes. But now that's changing. And as I said, what Brunson is doing for this organization this year, it reminds me of the effect that Jason Kidd had on the Nets two decades ago. They were, forget about laughing stuff, they, they weren't even on the NBA map. Not even on the map. And just like that, they went to two straight NBA finals. That's how important one guy could be. Just like you bring in an all-world quarterback to your football team, that's how much of a difference it could make. All right, good start. Let's keep it going. 800-919-3776. Dan Gross' show. Remember, we're rolling until 9 o'clock tonight. Full vehicle, 98.7 ESPN. Uh, what was a great night at the Garden? As we welcome you back, Dan Gross' show. Hour two here on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. Jalen Brunson with our guy, Alan Hahn. And that's a great job by Alan, too, because, you know, when you're doing that, and you're conducting an interview live in front of all those people. Obviously, emotions are sky high, both from, A, the subject, who you're talking to, just finishing up an emotional game, a game that took its toll. Plus, you have all those folks in the building that are going crazy, and they're jubilant because the team just won a big game, and they want to shower Brunson with all that praise. Very skilled job by Allen laying out there and letting almost the crowd do the talking, even though that was on TV. But it was the audio there that kind of just captured it all, combined with the pictures of Brunson, and you could see him getting emotional. It was perfect. It's perfect. You know, that's one of those clips that I'm sure, like, moving forward, MSG, the Knicks, they're going to keep that one and keep recycling it constantly because it meant that much.
And you could feel it, like the emotion from this city and the fan base, which has put up with a lot of lean years supporting this basketball team. So good job by Allen. Good job by the fans, everybody involved. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Matt Miller, our ESPN draft analyst, he's going to join us coming up in about a half an hour or so. Talk a little senior ball with him, the uh, annual showcasing of the game's upperclassmen and Future stars of the NFL. You got a good quarterback crop, too, this year, by the way, down at the Senior Bowl. So that game's on tomorrow, 1 o'clock on the NFL Network. Check it out if you want to kickstart your draft prep. It's what we can expect to uh, see here over the next couple of months leading up to the Spring Showcase. Let's go back to the phones. Let's say hi to Charlie in New York, up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Charlie, how are you? Good. How are you doing today, Dan? I just want what? to make a point uh, to, to what you said previous, uh, on your previous segment. Even yeah. though he's hurt, I think if uh, Julius Randle steps it up just a little bit, averages, you know, stays with the 30 points, shoots about 40% from the floor, I, th- I, th- I don't think we need to make a major move. What do you think? No, I don't think – no, not a major move, and that's why I'm against it. Like, they're not – you don't have to go out getting that number one – I mean, I don't know if those guys are readily available either, but to be able to go get that guy, but you still could go bring in a depth piece coming off of the bench. There's nothing wrong with that. Who would you bring in? I, I, I literally have looked around. I haven't seen anything. Who would you bring well, in? Well, Charlie, I just got done saying Alec Burks, to me, would be a perfect fit for this team. You know, it's not like you're not going to get a guy who's an all-star that you're going to be bringing off the bench. You know, the Alec Burks, the Bruce Browns of the world, guys like that. I mean, it's not going to be somebody that knocks your socks off. It's just like literally a depth-type player for you. I'm, I'm all in. Let's go. Let's go next. Well, as long as you got the guy who's handling the ball, Charlie, and thanks for the phone call, number 11, I I think you got no problems, right? Now, look, you're not going to go far in the playoffs if it's Jalen Brunson without Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson and OG Ananobi, like the lineup you trotted out there last night. You're not going to go very far. (laughs) You know what I mean? You have to be realistic a little bit. But right now, navigating through this part of the regular season, I think you're okay because he's playing at just an incredibly high level. And give the coach some credit, too. You know, I know everybody loves to kill the coach and is already eyeing and have been eyeing his replacement now for the last how many years? You know who you are because we've had a lot of talks about it. Tom has maxed out this team. They're not going to go any further because, you know, he's already squeezed every last ounce that he could out of this club. you got to make a change. By the time they get to the playoffs, they're all worn out. They've got nothing left in the tank. I've heard it all. I've heard it, you know. But if this team falls short this year, look, I don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs. Let's see what they look like by the time the playoffs roll around. Like how many guys are on injured reserve versus actually in uniform and playing? Way too premature to make any sort of a, you know, referendum on the head coach if this thing doesn't work out this year. But right now he gets credit and he should get a lot of credit for how well this team is playing. Justin's in Tom's River. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Justin, how are you? I'm doing good, Dan. Thank you for taking my phone call, as always. You know, I, I was I wanted to talk to Jets with you. I also had a Knicks question yeah. for you. You know, I wanted your take with the Jets, Dan. You know, I was really disgusted yesterday. Some of these accusations came out with the article, with uh, again, with the Jets organization being dysfunctional and, and Salah wanting to check everybody's phone and just that Joe Douglas is he really the assistant GM and Rodgers is really running the show, which a lot of Jet fans kind of figured what, what was going on. You know, Dan, like, you're a longtime Jet fan like I am. We bleed green. You know, I, I'm just really sick and tired of this organization being dysfunctional. 
And, you know, the, the organization wants us to lead us to believe that last year was an aberration and that, you know, with Rodgers coming back and they could fix this offensive line. You know, I had my, my reservations as it is. And this offseason, you know, this is a big offseason for this organization. And, you know, I, 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 after hearing the article yesterday, I, I'm just really disgusted. And, you know, it, it just leads me to believe that what, what big-time free agents going to want to come here and, you know, the players that we do want to keep some of this young talent, if, if it's as dysfunctional as it is, they're not going to want to stay. And we're in it for a long road. And uh, my next point, you know, I'm surprised the Knicks, you know, you don't hear any buzz with Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart would be a great fit for the Knicks. He's a, you know, a defensive player of the year. He could shoot the three. And, you know, he's familiar. He's battle-tested in the playoffs. And I think he'd be a really great fit. And he's on a team that's floundering with, with Memphis. And they're not going anywhere anytime soon, especially with Jaw out for the season. Well, Marcus Smart is hurt right now. That's the thing. You know, he's probably out yeah, for at just, least, I would say, another month or so, probably. That's fine, but I mean, he would be great for even if he comes back late in the year for a playoff run. I mean, the guy is what thirty or thirty-one years old. I mean, I think he would just be a great fit on the Knicks. I'm just surprised that it hasn't been talked about at all. Look, I, I, I'm a big Marcus Smart guy. Justin, you don't have to convince me, and I thank you for the phone call. And, look, I thought before all the shenanigans went down with John Morant with the Memphis Grizzlies, I thought, A, Marcus Smart's presence was going to be missed with that Celtics team. Obviously, it hasn't because they're sensational. But I thought that Marcus Smart was really going to be valuable for that Memphis team, a team that was really, really good last year, but maybe young and immature at a lot of spots, and it cost them in big spots. And then once the John Morant thing happened, I mean, forget about it. That killed their season the first 25 games with him missing, and then he gets hurt again, and he's out for the rest of the year. So now Memphis is, is you know, really done. So I don't know what their plans are with Marcus Smart. I don't know if a team is actually going to try to trade for him, even though he's still on the shelf right now. I But... See, with, where are you playing him with the Knicks right now, right? You, if, if you put Marcus Smart on this team, where are you playing him and at whose expense? Because right now, I, it's like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And that's kind of how I feel about this team right now. They've gelled so completely well. And Marcus Smart, you know, he is a personality. He's a dominant figure, and... You know, he's just not going to, like, blend in. He's going to be one of those guys that he's going to want to make his presence felt. I think that might be a little too rich of a target for them as far as realistically what they might look to bring in. And, look, as far as the Jets article and, and, and everything that happened in the last couple of days with the, the piece in The Athletic, as I said then, this is what happens when you don't win, Right? When you don't win, there's people that are going to be pointing fingers. There's going to be people that are chirping. There's going to be stuff that gets out. Okay? Now, personally speaking, did I find anything in that article revelatory? No. Because remember, I'm close to the situation. Right? So, it's not like any of that stuff was news to me. But I do think that the number one reason which triggers that all is because you haven't won. And you're now going on 13 years without making the playoffs. And it's same old, same old. And last year was probably the biggest disappointment of it all because everybody remembers how excited everybody was that September the 11th, that Monday night for the Buffalo Bills, and all the hype and all the promise that went into that season with Aaron Rodgers. Remember, last summer we were sitting here doing shows. I, I remember them vividly vividly 
And, like, the topic was Super Bowl or bust. Does this team have to be Super Bowl? Like, those were the stakes that you were talking about this team. And four plays into the season, that whole mantra literally went out the window because once Aaron Rodgers went down, you weren't winning a Super Bowl. So it was done. And I don't know if this is necessarily breaking news, but I'm going to throw this out there anyway because, I don't know, maybe to some it needs to be said, so I'll just say it. If the Jets don't win next year, for whatever reason, okay, whether people get hurt or don't get hurt, but if the results are what they are, guess what? It's going to be changes again. There'll be new people in charge. And then it's back to square one in a way. And it seems like we've been playing this back to square one a game for a really, really long time with this team. And the fans are frustrated. I get it. They're frustrated. You think they like this? You know, they want the solution? But the one thing that I also want to just correct, and I've said this many times, I'm going to keep saying it. I am not of the belief that simply just plugging Aaron Rodgers into this equation is going to solve everything. It's not. There's still work to be done, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And that's one of the things that exposed itself last year when you were going through quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. You know what you realized? You realize you got to fix that offensive line again, which seems like it's been an ongoing issue. And some of those weapons that you have outside of, let's say, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, Tyler Conklin, you got to get more skill position help for whoever the hell the quarterback is going to be, preferably Aaron Rodgers. So there's work to be done. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. Speaking of the football, we'll post some of these questions to Matt Miller, who's going to join us, our draft expert covering the Senior Bowl. That gets underway tomorrow down in Mobile at 1 o'clock. We'll talk to him in about 15 minutes or so. More of your calls when we return. Grasa Show till 9 on this Friday, 98.7 ESPN. Find this is the Dan Grasa Show on 98.7 ESPN. By the way, uh, housekeeping announcement, little programming reminder, because I was just reminded of this actually the other day, so I might as well share it with everybody else. Um, not tomorrow, not tomorrow, not the week. Two weeks from tomorrow. So what is that? The 17th of February, Saturday, right, Julian? That's two weeks. That's the 17th. The 17th is when yours truly returns to Saturday mornings. So I know that a lot of people have been wondering and they've been calling and questioning and writing letters to the home office. When is he going to be back on Saturday mornings? Well, we made the promise, right? We, we stepped away once the football season started, and we said, don't worry, we'll be back as soon as football is over. Well, two weeks from tomorrow, <laughs> football will be over. So we are coming back. So you and me, we, uh, we return to our little Saturday engagement on top of everything else. So 9 a.m.s. Uh, starting on the 17th, once again, you and I. Yes, more me, more us, right? That's what it is. It's more us. That's what we have going for you. Nick in Long Island. He was at the Nick game last night. Nick, what's going on, pal? Yo, Dan, last night was incredible. The vibe at the garden is off the wall. You could probably hear it in my voice. Screaming <laughs> still trying to get it back? Hours. Still trying to get it back, and I'm still buzzing. From the energy in that place, I'm telling you, there's a vibe in this team. I know you see it. They they play with a with an energy, with a grittiness. 
with an intelligence that we haven't seen from a Nick team in, in forever. I've been a diehard Nick fan since I'm, uh, you know, I'm 42. So I've seen the 90s Knicks. I've seen the two, you know, all the the iterations of little pockets of good, good basketball we were able to see, but it's been mostly heartache. And it kind of finally feels like we're over a hump and we're seeing the light that we're gonna maybe maybe we're gonna have some sunshine on us for a while. And you so so you said. And, so you said you're 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 42, Nick. So look, there have been flashes, right? Like, and that's what I was saying earlier. There have been flashes here and there, but you probably have to go back to those days in the 90s where, on a night in night out basis, you almost went into that building knowing what to expect. Expecting to win. That 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 feeling hasn't been there since I'm 13, and we had you and Oakley and Starks, and I knew we were going to go in and we were going to beat up whoever came on the floor. Now. It took all, like I said, all those little pockets of winning, those little false starts. We had some good moments, but it never felt right. This feels right. Am I right, Dan? Do you feel that? Like, this Nick, is the real you're preaching to the thing. choir. You're preaching to the choir. Oh, and, yeah. and, and I'm glad you had a good time last night, buddy. You get back to us there. And, 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 and the key point there is, right, as, as Nick just said, there have been a lot of years where you go into the garden knowing exactly what you expect to see, but it wasn't always positive. Right, you go into the garden most nights. You expect to see a loss, or expect to see a team coming in there that is just better than the Knicks with better players, and they're going to outclass them. That's not the case anymore. Like I said, when I was texting Santiago last night, I go back to uh, uh, like primarily. I'm thinking back to the days before COVID hit, right? And I can remember being in that building on those nights, walking the concourse. And they're, I mean, look, fans, it's the garden. It's MSG, so it's always going to be a destination. And there were people in the building, you know what I mean? Like, people are still going to go, but you would be amazed back in those days, like, how many tourists that I would just run into in the concourse because that's what a lot of it was. The Knicks were not necessarily a big-time basketball team, right? They were a struggling unit. But people that were coming in from out of town, they, you know – overseas what i mean tons of like european international fans just like hey they come to new york they plan their trip got to check out madison square garden got to check out a nick game boom they buy tickets and that that's who was in the building a lot of those nights that's not the case anymore now it's the diehard nick fans that are back because they're going there to appreciate this basketball team and to bask in something that they haven't seen probably in decades and there's nothing wrong with that either it's been a long time coming, but just it, it's amazing the transformation. It really is. Like those days in the 90s with that team, you knew what you were in for when you were playing the New York Knicks. Strap on your hard hat, bring your lunch pail, and you were going to be in for a war for 48 minutes. And they were unapologetic about it. Now, also remember, back in the 90s, that was a much, much more physical style of basketball than what they play now in the NBA, which I wish we could go back to, but, you know, neither here nor there. But you knew what you were expecting. Now, even when other teams come into the Garden with superstars, you're not looking at it as, boy, I hope the Knicks could keep it close tonight. Boy. You know, I hope the Knicks could find a way to not embarrass themselves tonight. No, you go into these games expecting them to win. Look at what happened last week. 
When the champs came in here on that Thursday night, the Knicks embarrassed them. They embarrassed the Nuggets. They almost beat them by 40 points. That game on Saturday, when, when unfortunately it was marred by Julius getting hurt, but the Miami Heat, I mean, that's a war. That's a team that you've got history with, a team that ended your season last year, and then you lose one of your all-stars in the process, and you still find a way to pull away and win that basketball game. It, it, it's, it's, it, it's sensational. It really and truly is. 800-919-3776, that is... The telephone number. Let me say hi. Let me say what's up to my good friend Wes in New Jersey, who's up next here on 98.7. Wesley, how the hell are you? I'm doing well, Dan. How you doing tonight? And good evening, company. So I got two things. So yes, I got sir. a quick next point as well. So when I moved to Jersey, I kind of gave up basketball because I got more into hockey. Mm-hmm. Well, because of the guys in the morning and because of this Nick team, I've actually started watching the games uh, this year. I've never really had a team. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, this is actually good basketball. It's not isolation basketball. It is team chemistry. It is dish. It is drive. It, it's, it's good basketball. So I'm starting to watch a little more, paying a little more attention to it. So uh, the Knicks have kind of got me wrapped in a little bit. So uh, I, I don't know why I'm enjoying it, but I am. But what I called about is I heard you say you were going to be talking draft with uh, with Miller. And so mm-hmm. I asked Dave and Rick this the other day, and I want your opinion. So as a Chargers fan, we get the number five pick in the draft. I imagine Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be gone by then. But if you had the choice, would you rather have a top-end wide receiver like Harrison Jr. or a top-end tight end like Brock Bowers? Chargers are picking when you said fifth? Five. I actually so I think, think Harrison will be gone at four. I think he'll be gone too, but if you're asking me right now, now who your head coach is and the way he likes to play football and the style that he implements, I think Brock Byers would be a hell of a fit, don't you think? Uh, that's who I'd want. That's who I want. I think it, it, I love the tight end. I love what you're able to do with the tight end. We already have a pretty decent one now, and he likes the two tight end set. Well, uh, Everett's so a free agent, remember. Dangerous. Ever, oh, Everett's, yeah, right. Everett's a free agent, okay? But And, Wes, i got to let you go only because we got to get to Matt here, but I thank you for the phone call. Here's the Chargers. Gerald Everett's a free agent. Don't know if he's coming back here. Donald Parham, who's the other tight end, he's a red zone target. Isn't the dude like 6'8", 6'9"? I mean, he's like a freak. So that's a dude you just throw jump balls to in the end zone. If I'm Harbaugh, I like Brock Bowers a lot. Now, he got hurt late in the season this year for Georgia, but that's not going to impact anything with the draft because he came back and played. Here's the thing about Brock Bowers. He's not big and bulky like we're used to thinking about tight ends. So he's a guy you can flex out wide and almost split him out as a wide receiver. Play him on inside, outside. So Brock Bowers, kind of like a jack-of-all-trades type of weapon for you. Justin Herbert will find ways to get him the ball. Harbaugh will find ways to get him the ball. I think that would be a great fit for any team. But the Chargers specifically... I think Bowers would be a nice fit there. And by the way, we'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later on because Harbaugh according to reports, already has his eyes set on one player in particular as his number one target who happens to wear one of the uniforms for one of our local teams. We'll get into that coming up later. But when we return, we will talk a little Senior Bowl since that's happening tomorrow down in Mobile. Our pal Matt Miller, NFL draft analyst from ESPN, is going to join us. Grasso Show till 9 on this Friday, 98.7 ESPN. This 
is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. It's not like the Giants don't want him around, but the Giants are no different than the 31 other teams. They want him around at a price that's going to be convenient for them because he's a running back. And unfortunately, he plays the wrong position. Even though we're talking about a guy that when he plays, he's productive. Right? And he's a good locker room guy. And he's a, he's a locker room leader and a captain and all those things. But Joe Shane and Brian Dayball aren't necessarily married to Saquon Barkley. I think that was pretty evident last year. And to how that whole thing played itself out during the offseason. And then they kind of settled on, yeah, we'll sign a nice little deal for you here to come back, which was not all that different from what the franchise tag value was. Right now, if you're asking me on February 2nd, is Saquon Barkley going to be back in a giant uniform? I think it's no better than 50-50. I'm sure that Saquon is going to go to free agency. He's going to snoop around. He's going to see what kind of offers are out there. And, and again, all it takes is just one. All it takes is one team to maybe put forward an offer that is too good to pass up, and you're going to take it. But is that offer coming? I'm not confident that it is. Remember, the way the running back position played itself out in free agency last year, you know the guy that got the richest contract last season, AAV-wise, at the running back position? He was a guy who played for the Jets. Well, played for the Jets is a strong term. I mean, he was on the team. He got out there on occasion. But Dalvin Cook, and what did he get, like $7 million and change or whatever it was that they paid him to come in? Because, you know what, the Jets were in a position where they felt that they were going all in last year because they had Aaron Rodgers, and they were going to get him as many weapons as possible. And I'm sure that Aaron probably also offered a recommendation as to, hey, that's a guy that I played against for so many years in the NFC North. I would love to have him on our team. And so they sweetened the deal a little bit. So if you look at it from that standpoint, is Saquon Barkley really going to get a contract any greater than what was put in front of him last year? And look, unfortunately for him, it's got nothing to do with the player. It really doesn't. It has to do with the position that he plays. How about this? San Francisco going to the Super Bowl. Christian McCaffrey. Right, Christian McCaffrey's the guy who got paid. He's one of the last running backs to actually go out there and make bank to get a big-time contract. Christian McCaffrey was the rushing champion this year, won the rushing title for the 49ers. Do you realize that Christian McCaffrey is the first NFL rushing champion to go to the Super Bowl in the same season that he won the rushing title? Since Sean Alexander of the Seahawks, and that was almost 20 years ago, 2005 season, when the Hawks went to the playoffs and they lost to the or went to the Super Bowl and they lost to the Steelers. So you can attack things different ways. You know, look at the teams that have won Super Bowls over the last how many years? Who was their leading rusher? Was it somebody that was galloping for 1,500 yards? No, 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 no. There's other ways you build your football team. I mean, look, it's no secret. Quarterback, pass rusher, um, left tackle, and corner, shut down, lock down corner. Those are the four positions that eat up the most of your salary cap. Those are the highest paid positions right now. 
And if you want to look for another one, you probably have to say, then wide receiver. The really, really special ones. Just because it's such a pass-happy league. And the running backs are like, way down on the food chain, unfortunately. Eddie and Rockland is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Eddie, how are you? Eddie, you with us? Yeah, I'm right here. How you doing? Hey, Ed, what's going on? Oh, uh, the little Barkley talk, you know. You know, I like the kid, but you can see the difference between the, uh, the the way he runs compared to McCaffrey or the Detroit rookie kid. He runs kind of a little scared. And if the Giants are not going to go the next two or three years with uh, Daniel Jones and they're going to re, you know, get a quarterback and redevelop and everything like that, then you have to let him go. But talking about money, I don't think he should be making over ten million a year. I know he thinks he wants it, but he doesn't. He doesn't hit the hole hard. When he runs, he looking looking behind himself all the time. Two different running backs: uh, McCaffrey and Barkley, or the Detroit kid and Barkley. Two totally different. Yeah, but those guys are a little bit more fleet of foot. But I don't know. And Ed, I thank you for the phone call. I, I disagree when you say scared. You know, Saquon's not scared. I just don't think Saquon has the burst that those other two guys have. Christian McCaffrey, Jameer Gibbs. I mean, Jameer Gibbs, you saw him. And by the way, there was a team closer to home here that was uh, very serious about drafting him last year in the draft. That's another story for another time. Um, Jameer Gibbs, I mean, it was almost like a track meet, the way he was running through some of that San Francisco defense in that game. But that's how teams are doing it now, right? It's a two-headed monster. Lions use two backs. They use Montgomery. They use Gibbs, and that's how they attack you. Giants this year, I mean, Saquon, since he's really been here, he's been the bell cow. When healthy, he's been the guy. Like, when you look at the Giants from last season, uh, like, who's their second leading rusher? Right? Is there? It was a huge, huge drop-off. So it was like Saquon and everybody else. Daniel Jones was the Giants' second-leading rusher. You know who their third-leading rusher was? Tyrod Taylor. You know who their fourth-leading rusher was? Tommy DeVito. So it was Saquon and then three quarterbacks for the Giants last year. So if the Giants are indeed going to move on from Barkley next season, which, look, they may or they may not do, I think that they're going to let the economics settle that whole discussion, you're probably looking at not one but two guys that they're going to bring in and divvy up the carries to. I mean, look, I love the guy to tears because he's a Rutgers guy. But you see how valuable Isaiah Pacheco is for the Kansas City Chiefs. And look, that's a guy that was taken in the seventh round. He won the number two overall pick in the draft. He was taken in the second round. Right? But that type of style, the way he plays, as physical as he does, that's probably not conducive to having a long career in the NFL. To where when he's 30 years of age, for example, and he's you know on that second contract, I don't know what the rest of the league is going to think of him. They don't know how much longer that motor is going to have. But he was essentially the workhorse for the Chiefs this year. Mahomes was the Chiefs' second leading rusher. Like, you know, you go back a few decades, for example, the way teams ran offense and the way offense was in the NFL, quarterbacks weren't running the football. I mean, you had, like, a couple of exceptions, of course, the ones who were, like, 
dual threats, and you only had a few of them. You know, the Randall Cunninghams of the world, Steve Youngs, you know, and then Michael Vick came along, guys like that. That was it. Otherwise, it was just the running backs and the running back. Now teams are even reluctant to even have a second running back that's going to even get legitimate carries over the course of a long season, depending on what you have with the rest of your offense. So that's what the Giants need to figure out. What are they going to look like offensively? Who's your quarterback going to be? How everything else is going to fall in line after that? There's a lot of questions that they have to get answered. And it makes it a little bit much, tr- a little bit trickier, of course, when you're coming off of a season like the Giants have where nothing went your way. Nothing at all. You know, and if you want to look back even to last year with the Jets, well, why didn't Dalvin Cook have a role? It's got nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers getting injured and the offense just not functioning. No, it was the fact that Brees Hall returned to form way ahead of schedule and way ahead of anybody realistically thought that he probably could have. They thought that Brees would take at least three, four weeks once the season started to be the guy that you're going to give the ball to 20 times a game. But he was like that from the jump. And so that minimized the chances that Dalvin Cook was going to get to go out there and contribute in the offense. And then the quarterback injuries just kind of like, it was a snowball effect. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. We come back. We lost an icon today. We got to pay our respects to Carl Weathers. We'll do that when we return. Then we got Grasas coming up at 8 o'clock. 98.7 ESPN.